Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pulse, a collaborative news highlight series covering the latest stories in the financial advisor industry, brought to you by Chalice Financial Network and SuccessionLink. Before we start, let's consider the role of luck in one's success. We'll learn what one famous author had to say about that in a bit. Brokerage overseer turns focus to sweep accounts. FINRA has resolved to prioritize an ongoing probe into brokerage sweep programs, citing worries some firms aren't as forthcoming to clients as they should be about these vehicles, reports Investment News. Against the backdrop of historically low interest rates for money market investors and rapidly declining commission revenue for brokerages, FINRA recently made scrutiny of sweep account programs an examination priority. In its 2020 Risk Monitoring and Examination Priorities letter, dated January 9, the industry-funded watchdog of U.S. securities firm says that while, quote, sweep programs may offer useful features to customers, offer higher than average interest rates, they have also raised several concerns about firms' compliance with the range of FINRA and SEC rules, end quote. Sweep accounts are a common feature of retail banking. At the close of business days, they automatically transfer amounts in excess of preset levels into higher interest earning investment options, commonly money market funds. Typically, when funds in the original account drop below a set level, money is automatically swept back to keep the original account fully funded. The idea is to reduce idle cash drag by putting more or less ready cash to work in higher interest vehicles. FINRA wants to ensure brokerages keep clients informed of cash management alternatives The regulator is also worried that firms may incorrectly imply, quote, that a brokerage account is similar to, or the same as, a checking or savings account at a bank, end quote, complete with FDIC coverage, according to the priorities letter. Brokerage sweep accounts aren't typically guaranteed by FDIC. Further, interest payments to clients for use of their funds in sweep vehicles are quite modest, only 0.25% on average versus an average money market fund return of 2%, according to Investment News. Wirehouses shorten the leash on advisors. Advisors employed by big-name brokerages, especially at the four wirehouses, are losing control of their business lives, recruiter Mindy Diamond writes in wealthmanagement.com. Diamond cites specific developments to bolster her argument. First off, the demise of the broker protocol, which set rules for the orderly migration of advisors between firms, gave FAs a fighting chance to repaper old clients with their new firm. Wirehouse's Morgan Stanley and UBS ditched out of the protocol two years ago, and rumor has Merrill Lynch poised to follow suit. The fourth wirehouse, Wells Fargo, has pledged fealty to the protocol, but that was 18 months ago. Secondly, under new recruiting strategies, wirehouses are hiring fewer financial advisors with experience in favor of novice FAs who sign on as salaried workers. The firm's aim here, writes Diamond, is to create a, quote, new generation of financial advisors who are not paid on a commission's basis, end quote. This strategy also underlines the wirehouse view that clients belong to the house, not the advisor. Diamond's third point is that retire-in-place programs like Merrill's Client Transition Program also makes this point. In a bid to keep them from skipping off, Merrill FAs get payouts as a percentage of their production on a, quote, trailing 12-month basis, end quote. While that's a common practice at wirehouses, Merrill has recently said it would also reward advisors for taking accounts from retiring colleagues. Looking ahead, Merrill wants its FAs to, quote, start here, build their client base here, and retire from here 
end quote, the firm's wealth boss Andy Sieg told advisors in November. And lastly, Diamond points out that wirehouses seem to delight in rolling out new compensation structures every year. But the not-so-subtle point of these often bewildering edicts is to save or make money by raising payout thresholds, trimming bonuses, and nagging advisors to cross-sell banking unit products to their clients. Taken together, these alterations add up to a glide path for changing advisors' compensations into something more in line with the salary plus bonus model for FAs that will, in turn, make advisors and clients hard to pry away, Diamond concludes. And now for the Succession Link M&A Weekly Update. The practice listing of the week comes from Stillwater, Minnesota. This practice has $16 million in asset center management with a gross revenue of 81000 The overall business mix is 70% fee-based and 30% commission-based. And the number of accounts that make up this practice is 433 with an average client age of 70. This advisor is looking for someone to take over their book of business. And the practice has a client base that is older, near, or at retirement. The clients are very comfortable with how their money is managed, typically through mutual funds, either brokerage or advisory, and some variable annuities. A prospective buyer would need to know that any radical investment changes, such as purchasing real estate investment trust and master limited partnerships, may cause clients some concern. Further information regarding the business breakdown, this practice has 80% mutual funds, 10% annuities, and 10% in others. Clearing from use is LPL. Mutual funds are through Columbia Management, Putnam Investments, and T. Rowe Price Funds. And variable annuities are through Alliance, Prudential, and the Hartford. Again, this practice has 16 million in assets under management, with a gross revenue of 81,000, located in Stillwater, Minnesota. Why advisors avoid succession planning? It is somewhat ironic that a lot of financial advisors are not prepared when it comes to handing their practice over to a successor. When you consider the fact that business succession plans is something a lot of financial advisors focus on with their clients. A recent study conducted by Fidelity Investments, revealed that only approximately 25% of advisors have clear successors in place, despite the fact that two-thirds would prefer to change ownership internally. Moreover, only 40% of advisors have some form of succession plan in place. So why are financial advisors avoiding succession planning? Number one, they're not ready to sell. One of the main reasons why a lot of financial advisors are yet to develop a succession plan is because a lot of people think that succession planning and selling come as one. Because a lot of financial advisors are not ready to sell their firm, they do not feel that they need to have a succession plan in place. Moreover, a lot of financial advisors are not in the position to retire and sell up because they have not taken care of themselves and prepared for the retirement phase. This sounds ironic, but it can often occur because financial advisors have been too busy taking care of everyone else's monetary situation. Number two, fear of the unknown. A lot of financial advisors simply do not put a succession plan in place because they keep putting it off out of fear. They tell themselves that they have other tasks that are more important and more urgent. However, it can often be the case that a lot of financial advisors are grounded in the fear of the unknown, and this makes them extremely hesitant about ceding their business's control. Number three, they can't find the right personnel. In addition to this, a lot of financial advisors struggle to find the right people to replace them. After all, it can be overwhelming to recruit and train young advisors. However, it is important to recognize that the people you choose 
are going to carry on the legacy of the business you created. It is also important to see succession planning as the continuation of a business growth rather than simply handing over the reins to someone. It is always a good idea to consider options internally. Identify individuals that have the potential to fill in your shoes and identify any weak areas whereby you may need to train them. And that's not all. Other reasons for putting off succession planning include the fact that some financial advisors don't know where to start, while others are waiting because they hope that their son or daughter will enter the firm. Aside from this, another reason to wait is because you may want to reap the benefits of any clients that will be retiring soon, or you feel like you cannot afford to retire yourself. No matter what situation applies, it is imperative that you start succession planning sooner rather than later. Who knows what situation could arise and cause you to sell your firm quicker than imagined. Activist hedge funds got busy in 2019. Hedge funds that don't mind telling the companies they invest in how to run themselves got louder in 2019. They were in fact responsible for nearly, quote, half of all activist investor campaigns waged in 2019, end quote, the Newswire reports, citing data compiled by asset manager Lazard. Last year, a record of 99 investor campaigns pushing for M&A-related moves by listed companies were launched by activist shareholders with hedge fund involvement up 12% last year over 2018. 2019 examples include a call for Hewlett-Packard to accept a takeover offer from Xerox by Carl Icahn, who has shares in both, fund manager Elliott Management's insistence that AT&T sells off parts of its business, and the same firm's apparently successful pressure campaign to persuade Marathon Petroleum to spin off its Speedway convenience store unit. It wasn't just U.S. companies in the crosshairs of activist hedge funds in 2019. Reuters says that, quote, non-U.S. targets make up 40% of all campaigns, up from 30% in 2015, with, for instance, hedge fund Third Point trying to buffalo Sony into making strategic divestitures. Our question this week is, what role does luck play in one's success? For writer Jonathan Swift, best known for Gulliver's Travels, it all depends on your circumstances. The power of fortune is confessed only by the miserable, Swift wrote, the happy impute all their success to prudence or merit. And that wraps up this episode of The Pulse, brought to you by Chalice Financial Network and SuccessionLink. Until next time.